Yo, what up everybody? This is Mark from Suicide Silence. Brian Fair from Shadows Fall. Gary Hall from Exodus and recently retired from Slayer. Chris from Bad Wolves. It's Joe from Briar Rose. Tyler Burgess here. And this is Trevor Sternad from the Black Dahlia Murder. Yo, 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 Igor Cavalera here. Hey, this is Charlie with Anthrax. I just want to give a shout out to Pendleton Metal Radio, the podcast. The podcast to get all your rock and metal news plus reviews. With new episodes dropping every Sunday, make sure you tune in. Keep rocking with Pedal to the Metal. Check it out now, you motherfuckers. Keep it metal. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, everybody, to another exciting edition of Pedal to the Metal Radio, the podcast. I'm your host. That's right, your main man, the man with the most. I am any monster here, and we've got such a great fucking episode for you guys this week. That's right. I am so excited. I have not been this excited, and I couldn't tell you how long, right? It's been a long time, and I usually get pretty excited, but nothing like this, and that's because on today's episode, we have X. Alice Cooper, ex-Ted Nugent, ex-Rob Zombie, current Ozzy Osbourne drummer, and the drummer of his new band, Tommy's Rock Trip. That's right. I am talking about Tommy Klufetos. He is on the show. I've got him for you guys this week. How excited are you? Pretty pumped. It was a lot of fun, let me tell you. And Tommy is an amazing, amazing person. Love talking to him. Such a good time. Um, We got that going. And it's primarily going to be the real focus of this episode. Is that we're just going to be giving you the Tommy Clufetos interview. But we do have a little bit of rock and metal news. We got to settle some things here on Pedal to the Metal that we talked about last week. Not a lot because the interview is obviously the main focus of the show this week. Uh, But before we get into anything, you guys know what time it is. That's right. It's time for the social media side of things. If you are in a band, whether it's signed or unsigned, you want to get played on the show, reach out to me. You can reach out to me by emailing me at pedaltothemetalradioshow at gmail.com, pedaltothemetalradioshow at gmail.com. Email me. Follow us on Facebook. Like the page, uh, facebook.com forward slash Eddie's Pedal to the Metal Radio Show. Again, facebook.com forward slash Eddie's Pedal to the Metal Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash EddieMonster82. And finally, on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash Pedal to the Metal Radio Show. And the last link, that's right, I say it every week. The last, like the one that rules them all, right? Pedal to the Metal Radio Show. Blogspot.com. Again, pedal to the Metal Radio Show. Blogspot.com. That is the place to go if you want to listen to new or archived episodes. And on these archived episodes and new episodes, you will find a link to be able to listen to the show, whether it be Apple, Breaker, Anchor, Spotify, YouTube. Music, which is used to be Google, whatever that may be, that shitstorm right there, as well as many, many others. If there's a link, it's going to be there. So I checked out a few things on Amazon Prime 
<clears throat> recently this week with one of them being a documentary about Wasp guitarist uh, Chris Holmes called Mean Man. And I got to say it was a very, very interesting documentary. Uh, kind of kept me hooked. There's a lot of things I didn't know. Um, I believe at one point he starts pointing out uh, certain tracks that he was given credit for that he didn't play on. Um, I didn't re- <clears throat> realize that his relationship with Blackie Lawless was that bad. But it seemed like nobody liked Blackie Lawless. And the difference, they when they talk about Chris, they make Chris out to be like he's, now that Lemmy's gone, he's sort of like the new Lemmy. And one of the big things they talk about um, was that, you know, how much, obviously how much of a good guy he was. But the fact that nobody really liked Blackie, and I can't remember Blackie's real name, but they were like, when he was on the bus, in a hotel, wherever it may be, you know, he's this person. When he's on stage, then he becomes Blackie Lawless. Once he leaves the stage, he's no longer Blackie Lawless. And they mentioned about how he didn't like talking to anybody. And that makes perfect sense. I was supposed to interview Blackie Lawless, actually, I believe in 2010. I was accepted. I was given passes. And come the day of, and they tell me, sorry, Blackie doesn't want to meet with anybody. I took a little bit of offense to that because I was totally prepared. I was doing a music video show at the time, so I'm totally prepared. I've got my camera guy ready, you know, waiting for the call when I'm showing up, you know, this and this and that, and nothing. So makes perfect sense to me in a way. But there's a lot of great moments, a lot of great interviews with artists I didn't even know we're connected with Chris Holmes. Like, I had no idea Chris Holmes jammed with Tony Iommi. You know what I mean? And they were that much of friends at one point. So there's a lot of good, good stuff in there. Um, Chris definitely was a guy that deserved to have more recognition than he did. He was an amazing guitar player. You know, absolutely amazing. Uh, one of the other things I watched was a documentary on Randy Castillo. Just because, you know, remembering, you know, how amazing Randy was and knowing I'm doing this interview with Tommy Cufetos, uh, decided to watch it. And it was a pretty insightful documentary. And uh, it kind of chronicles his whole career. You got the guys from Motley Crue in it. You got various members. Well, I, I believe it was only Phil Susan. That was in this. There was no Zach. There was no Mike Inez. Uh, You see Jerry Cantrell. You see just many, many other guys from the 80s scene. Bobby Blotzer tells a story of how he got uh, Randy Castillo the job with Ozzy Osbourne. That's pretty funny. Uh, So there's a lot of good moments. It's on Amazon Prime as well. Uh, The other thing I watched was The Sound of Metal. And I got to tell you, what an excellent, excellent film. Riz Ahmed does an amazing job playing a metal drummer who suffers of hearing loss. I mean, he has his hearing in the beginning, but then it goes away. It's an excellent movie. There's this whole point at the end. The movie kind of ends in a certain way. And if you listen to the guy named Jim... So if you're watching the movie, 
listen to the guy named Jim and listen to what he asks him to do when he's sitting in a room and he's writing in a book. He asks him to do something. Pay attention to that and you'll be fine for the ending because it made perfect sense. But it was a great, great movie. Deserved an Oscar. That's all I'm going to say. But The Sound of Metal, it's available on Amazon Prime. It's an awesome movie. It's more than just a movie about music. It's it's about a guy having to you know, readjust his life and figure out how he fits in the world now that he's deaf. And he's very unaccepting of his fate for a long, long time in the film before he finally looks like he's at peace, but then he's still battling that demon of, of wanting to be a drummer again. So it's a, it's an amazing movie. I absolutely loved it. All right. So enough of talking. We're going to get right into the interview. He's got an album. It's out already. It's called Tommy's Rock Trip, Beat Up by Rock and Roll. He was a great, great guest. Had a lot of fun interviewing. But before we get into that interview, let's hear a word from our sponsors. All right. At the time of the recording of this interview, Tommy Kufetos is releasing his first solo album, with his new project called Tommy's Rock Trip. The album is called Beat Up by Rock and Roll. Welcome, Tommy, to the show. Hey, how you doing, Eddie? Um, thank you for having me. Uh, and I hate the term solo album because that just sounds so horrible. It's just me and my buddies making a rock and roll album, which we made in a barn. So you can't get much more rock and roll than that. For that, is, that is true. That is true. Um, how excited and how different has this release been for you versus some of the things you've done in the past? Different because I was in charge. I put the band together. I wrote the songs. I wrote the lyrics. I made, made the melodies. Um, I kind of guide guys on how I want it played and the style that I wanted and the attack that I wanted. And it was different because it was recorded 110% live. We didn't nice. even use headphones. We didn't use headphones. We didn't use cutting and pasting. We didn't use click tracks. Oh, we just awesome. faced, faced the amps at each other and they heard my drums and we said record and we got the whole song from the first note to the last note in one take. See, and that's amazing because that's not really done that much anymore. Everything is Pro Tools. This, it's not, it's not, first of all, it's not amazing. It's what it should be. Musicians should be able to play from the beginning to the end. True, but true. it hasn't, you know, it's been, it's been, I think, I think people are, yes, Pro Tools great for some things, our computer's great for some things, but yes, but now it's kind of becoming like a convenience thing, you know, yeah. and I didn't, I didn't want to have any of that come into play. Play. you know they were literally saying oh my arm hurts and i'm saying good your arms should hurt yeah, my arms is... hurt too my arms have been, my arms have been hurting for 30 years that's part of the gig yeah hell yeah this is rock and roll you know exactly I mean? uh and i wanted to i wanted to ask you because you got eric dover on this record and <clears> i love <throat> eric you know what i mean like from slash's snake pit everything he's done um, how did you guys 
hook up for this project? Like, how did this come about? Well, I offered him an extremely large amount of money and he <laughs> couldn't turn it down. So, no, I, I've known Eric for a long time. No, now when I uh, joined Alice Cooper's band, we played with Alice Cooper together. And okay. I always ad admired his musicality and his, um, he kind of has the wild side to him, especially back then. He was a little more wild. And I like that kind of side because I'm not that wild, but I like my music wild. So he yeah. brought that energy i wanted to the music okay um i want to ask you how much because i'm trying to get when did you when did this become a reality like tommy's rock trip when because the pandemic and everything happening and obviously ozzy having the injury uh gave you guys a lot of time off when did this tell me start? about it it started during this worldwide shutdown when music got shut down and somebody said, do you want to make a record? And I had never made a record. I'd never written a song. I'd never written lyrics. I'd never put a band together. I never rehearsed it under my own um, God, if you will. And I said, you know what? I'm a musician. I make music. So why not? And I kind of looked at it as a challenge for myself because I'd never done these things um, I wanted to see if I could maybe write some of my own music. And then if I could write my own music, would I like it? You know, because I have such high standards for music and there's a certain style that I enjoy when it comes to rock and roll. I like, I like it tight. I like it to rock. Yeah. Meaning there's gotta be a certain energy for me to consider it rock and roll. It, it has to have a certain standard and being from Detroit, I hold those standards very high. You know, the music from there is driving. Yeah. It has a pulsation. It's, yeah. you know, and Boston is the same way. It's like a lot of people think Jay Giles is a Detroit fan because they played that or still, I mean, Peter, Peter Wolfie's still a rocker. You know, they yeah, always thought still kicking ass. they always thought they were from a, from Detroit, but you know, and Aerosmith, you know, they're very yeah. Detroit, but Boston and Detroit are very similar, you know, in their, yep. in their, rootsy rock and roll approach so i wanted to take not copying those bands but but taking the influence that i've in the approach that i've learned from those bands and spirit do it do it in my own music you know it doesn't sound like jay giles at all no and, no 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 but 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 we could play on the same bill and it would make perfect sense i agree because listening to this record i was sitting there trying to figure out all the different influences on it. Cause I was like, Oh man, I can hear this and I can hear uh, like, for example, right. I could be wrong. I want you to correct me on this. I hear, I probably will correct you. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, I hear a little bit of like Aerosmith. Um, when I was listening to heavy load, I don't know why I got that kind of spirit and feel okay. to it. Okay. Okay. Um, That's, I mean, I, I love that you hear that. I don't hear Aerosmith on that track. But, okay. but get bring it on, baby. All right. I hear a little deep purple in you got the cash, I got the flash. I, I would I would agree with I would agree with that. And I almost didn't want to put some organ on that because of yeah. that. But then I said, but then I said, screw it. Put I, it on anyways. Who yeah. cares? And 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 my thing is like what Doug Organ does on that was absolutely amazing. 
his 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 organ. Yeah, there's o- there's only some little patches on there. It's not really there's a cool little organ solo on "Make Me Smile," but that's the only two songs that he actually plays on. Okay. Know, it's really just a little cor- chord pattern pattern underneath. Um, gotcha. Okay. But the 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 driving rhythm is kind of where it's at on that one. Definitely. All right. That um, that riff that 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 guitar riff is very Richie Blackmore. Yeah. And it kicks ass. Like I honestly like listening to it. I'm like, it, the, the great thing about it is it doesn't sound outdated. It sounds like this is something that needs to be out right now. You know what I mean? Well, it, it is. I know. And it is, and it is. Yeah. And, and I thank you for that. Cause like, I felt like there's not enough of this kind of music. Like I feel like, like bands like Motorhead are gone you know, and there's not enough of that. You know what I mean? Like just good they're, old rock they're and They're all roll. gone and they're, they're all gone. And I've been so blessed to play with older people. I feel like I'm a, the last of a dying breed, if you will. I'm connected yeah, no because I've played with older guys. So I, I live in the past, but, but to me, that past is the future. That's how music is supposed to be played. Yeah, you know, there's not a lot of, even my age, I'm 41 now. And and people my age, they're into a whole different rock trip, if you will. They're in a whole different trip than I am. That's why I called it Tommy's Rock Trip, because this is my trip. This is my yeah. take on what I think rock and roll is. It's not like, you know, heavy metal. I don't like that term. To me, this music is not heavy metal at all. It's, it's, it's rock and roll to me, you know? And that can be many different things, but it, does, it doesn't have to be evil to be rock and roll. I think, I think this record is fun. It sounds like summer. It sounds like chicks in bikinis and it sounds yeah. like, you know, people drinking beers and having a good time. I agree. You know, and, 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 and enjoying life, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree 100%. I was, uh, there was a comment you made in, a, in an interview and I couldn't, like, I was sitting there like, man, I couldn't agree more with him. You were talking about how, the feeling of rock and roll being dangerous was kind of gone. You know what I mean? And I can remember being a kid and seeing Guns N' Roses Welcome to the Jungle for the first time, right? The music video. Yeah, that's funny you say that. I remember seeing that as a kid. I remember seeing the video on MTV. Yeah. And walking in, my my dad had this buddy named Chaz, and he was like a single guy, and he lived the single life. And MTV was on, he had like pictures of naked chicks on his wall <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. And Welcome to the Jungle came on, and I remember sitting in front of the TV, like being semi-scared and intrigued. I wasn't the world's biggest Guns N' Roses fan. They're no, no, no. But I just remember watching that video and hearing the music, and it I was like, whoa, this is, this is wild. Yeah, you know? it, it gave me a- that sense of reckless, abandoned danger, yes. you know, which was, yes. it, it intrigues you. What the hell is this? It's yeah. a great thing. And you're almost like, man, I don't think I want to go to Hollywood anymore. Like, do I, am I going to run into those guys? It, it, right. You know what I mean? Right. Like- and I, I mean, and, and imagine like, imagine little Richard back in the fifties, how dangerous he was, yeah, let alone even yeah. in the eighties. I mean, that's some dangerous shit. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, that's the, that's the nth degree of dangerous. They blow that blows guns and roses out the water and danger oh, factor. I agree. You know? I agree. 100%. It's just so edgy and against the grain. And that's what on top of being great music and the attack of that music, 
because that's my favorite stuff. Yeah, yeah. That Little Richard, that Chuck Berry, um, all that kind of stuff. You know, people consider it oldies, but it, but it wasn't always oldies. It was the cut. It it was the invention of rock and roll, and people yeah. forget that. You know, out in California here, as much as Motorhead was cool and Lemmy and all this kind of stuff, and there's statues to Lemmy, and people post pictures of Lemmy. I don't see that kind of stuff about Chuck Berry. To me, I got I got Chuck Berry. Only to me, he is the god of rock. As far yeah, as I'm yeah, concerned, yeah. nobody was dangerous more dangerous than that guy, and unpredictable, and and edgy in their music, and and creative, and so I wanted to take, you know, these guys had a cadence and a style and a pulse to their music, and I just wanted to try to get a slight iota of that into my rock. You know, it doesn't yeah, compare yeah. to it at all. It never will. But that's what I love, and that's my approach, and. If anybody can hear that in there a little bit, then I accomplished my goal. I definitely did. I definitely heard that in the, in the record. It was uh, the last two tracks. I remember thinking, man, this is like good old like rock and roll. It had that feel like the Chuck Berry, Little Richard, you know, that kind of stuff. Even yeah, like, I mean, to me, go ahead. No, I was going to say even like, you know, guys like Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, like just great rock and roll. Absolutely. That's the, that's the foundation, should be the foundation of it all to me. But yeah. I'm an old fogey. So what do yeah, I Yeah, but you know what, though? If if you hear interviews with Lemmy, the one guy Lemmy always, Absolutely. always mentioned was Absolutely. Chuck Berry. You Absolutely. Know I mean? You know what? I, I talked to Lemmy one time at a club, and he was very nice. And we talked about this stuff for about an hour. Yeah. This was kind of before, nonstop. He knew we were finishing other sentences. You know, he he knew all the old clips of Jerry Lee Lewis in the 70s that I was talking about, and he oh, knew man. everything. So that's why his music was so cool. And Motorhead yeah. had a style because he had the foundation there, yep, yep. you know, and that's kind of exactly what I'm talking about. He took it and he made it his own, but he knew how to grind up there on stage, of you know, course. which black music grinds. You know, yeah, yeah, and they, and a lot of those artists, Jay Giles. I mean, I mean, that's all. It's black music, but it's but it's white, but it's perfect. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, well, when I was white gonna people say, kind of added the pop and a little bit of a little bit of different kind of you know country mixed in there and all the kind yeah, of things yeah. it made for the white version of it, and it's it, and that's also a beautiful thing. You know, true, true. But like you said before, like not a lot of those guys get a lot of credit. You know what I mean? Like a lot of them, there's tons of artists that got pushed under, you know, the rug and made way for these other artists, you know, to, to explode. You know yeah, well, it was timing and, and, and you know what I mean? But all the greats, well, all the greats, whether it's the Rolling Stones or ACDC or Aerosmith or Ted Nugent or, or anybody, they will say they invented it and they were the architects my true, point being true. is i don't think you know and i'm talking about artists from the 60s and 70s you know when rock the heavy rock thing was at its peak i'm saying i don't think that carried over in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s i no. think people lost their footsteps of of not doing their homework i think i also maybe you'll agree with me on this maybe i think 
when it came to the 90s, I think the sense of the rock star sort of got lost because a lot of well, grunge, absolutely. a lot of grunge, like as much as I, you know, love and appreciate that music for what it is and what it did at the time, I feel like they took away that sense where it was almost like to be ashamed to be a rock star. Well, yeah, and I think some of that that was blowback from the 80s because it got so over the top where the music got lost. You know, I'm not talking about showbiz. I'm talking about just the ends, the essence of what makes great rock and roll, you know, the, the basics of it, of of playing together as a group and grooving yeah. and creating a pulse and a cadence and having a style, you know, Nirvana had a pulse and a style. They were a great band. Oh yeah. And they were very original, you know, they were great. And so, so they were great, but there's a lot of, you know, even recent, I, this heavy metal to me, it's just losing, you know, Motorhead, Motorhead had a little uh, substance in there if you yeah. really listen and you know a little bluesy stuff in there too which always makes the hard rock rock more and that's kind of all i'm talking about. i guess just i like that style so when i hear rock to me all the greatest rock that stands up over a test of time always has that in it and when you're yeah. talking about you know even even nirvana it has a soulfulness to it and all those other 90s bands that we're not going to talk about probably don't true true that's kind of what i'm getting at yeah no and i agree with you 100 percent. you know what i mean um one of the other things so we're we talked about chuck berry i don't know if you know this and, and, and to, not to beat a dead horse but the only reason i get passionate about that is to me as if for a younger musician because i get asked all the time what do i do and what do i do and what do i do most people don't really want to hear the answers, but if you study the roots of, of where you, of where music come from, comes from and what your influences, influences were, you're going to really have a basis. So if somebody's yeah. listening, do your homework, you know, investigate. I agree. I agree. Is, is basically the whole reason I get, get off on that tangent. So pardon me. No, no, no. And, it, and it's and it, you're absolutely right, because I did that, you know, when I discovered Metallica and this and that I always for some maybe it's me. I, I don't know. Maybe it's the nerd in me. But like I always wanted to know what influenced them. You know what I mean? And then I would look back well, yes, and, sure. and, and listen to what they listened to. And then from there, I looked at what those bands listened to. You know, it's just a cycle because it's learning. Like you said, it's learning the roots of everything. Right, right. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. So I want to know, like, if you remember, if you know this story, we you talked also about one unsmanship, you know, like being on stage and giving it your all, like 150%, right? Because you should be the best man on the stage. You know what I mean? Um, do you know the story of Jerry Lee Lewis and Chuck Berry? Uh, 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, Take a guess. Do I know the story? I know. I know yeah. you should know this. How yeah. badass yeah. was that for Jerry Lee Lewis to light his piano on fire and say, you hey, sure? I, I want you to top that. Follow that killer. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and, and back back like, you know, you had mentioned when I said there's no danger in rock. Yeah. I mean, that's danger. There, there's a competition there. Yeah. That was, and it's a healthy competition. competition. Absolutely. Not that they couldn't be friends. 
I'm sure they both respected each other. But when it came on that stage, we're going to battle each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's that's good. And I bet those people had the best rock and roll experience of their lives because of that. Right. That's all right. I'm getting at right. is that you should want to kick the other person's ass. That yeah, doesn't but- mean they probably had the utmost respect for each other at the end of the day. But like you mentioned, right? You said those people in the crowd probably had the best experience, right? And that's isn't right. that what it's that's all right. about? Absolutely. And that's what those guys were all about. They were all about making those people go wild and having a great concert. Not, right. not them getting off on stage. They were aiming to please the audience. You know, I don't like when I do a gig and people go, oh, what a, what a shitty crowd tonight. Well, I, I go, well, maybe didn't really, maybe we didn't do our job. Maybe we didn't put it over, you yeah, know, it goes yeah. that way too. That's you know, true. That's true. sure there's off nights, but sometimes you have these off nights and you think it's not good. And maybe sometimes people are just watching the music or it's a different type and then then you'll hear somebody oh i saw you and that was the greatest gig i've ever seen in my life so yeah it's all perception anyways true true um i remember seeing you for the first time it was with it was the educated horses tour i remember with rob zombie and because and that where did we play you played at uh well it's gone through different names i believe at the time when you guys played, it might have been the Comcast Center in Mansfield, Massachusetts. Oh, like a shed building. Okay, one of those. Yeah, okay. like an amphitheater. Was it with Godsmack? Yes. Okay, yes. okay. Yep, got it. I know I know the place now. I can, I can remember it, yeah. And I thought, like, because for me, I was always like, John Tempesta was like, holy shit, he was great. But then I saw you and the energy that you throw into it. I'm like, holy shit, who is this guy? You know what I mean? And, and that's yep. when I started doing more research about you. The comment you just said, holy shit, is this guy. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm after since I was a little kid. I always want people to go, holy shit, who is this guy? Right. I don't care if they know my name. But in fact, I prefer they don't know my name because I because <laughs> I've done a lot of gigs and, and they're still going, holy shit, who is this guy? Right. So to me, that's that's success to me right there. So I appreciate that. No, no problem. No problem. But it was true because it was like you were throwing so much energy into into the, you know, the drums and everything. I was like, man, this guy is like, I think he's rocking harder than than, you know, zombie and John five. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, wow. <laughs> Where I come from, you're supposed to work hard. And I take pride in what I do. My dad worked hard. My grandpa worked hard. And I happen to be a musician. And I happen to play drums. But to me, it's my job. And it's still how, how you feel about yourself. And what makes me a man is how I work, you know, and how I support my family. So I pride in that. Um, it doesn't matter if I'm having a bad day. It doesn't matter if something's going on home or you're in a fight with somebody or i'm going to go on that stage and i'm going to clock in i'm going to turn it on so that's how it works with me and do you ever get because i know i mean a lot of times for you guys you guys are on the road like a lot is there like and i've always heard you know different stories from different bands 
where some bands are like, listen, it doesn't matter how many days we're on the road. I'm going to give it my all every single time. And then you hear other stories of other bands where it's like, oh my God, like, you know, it's just another city, you know, whatever. Um, uh-huh. How do you, how do you avoid like the tour fatigue? Maybe is what I'm trying to say. It's just what I said previously. It's how I look at it. It doesn't matter if you're tired and you have to conduct yourself a certain way. You know, when I get done with a gig, I go back in that hotel room and I shut the door and I use the time to rest to get ready for the performance. And Mm -hmm. I take care of myself and everything's geared towards the performance, what I'm eating, how much rest I'm getting, where I'm going. I don't really hang out. So it takes a lot of energy up there, but, but you gotta, you know, it's a professional job and you're getting paid to do something. So you do to me, my life revolves around it besides my family. So, you know, it's a job. So you either do it or you don't, you know, and and over time, I I feel, you know, over time, when you conduct yourself that way, the right things are going to work out because you've put in the work and people notice that. Yeah. And I've noticed that, you know what I mean? Like, that's why I'm such a huge fan. And when I saw this opportunity, thank you for noticing. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is kind of a fun question because you've played with Nuge, you've played with Alice, you know, and obviously Ozzy now. Um, what was the feeling like for you when you step into the room for the first time and you've got to jam with these guys? It's always the same. I want to, sh- I-, I want them to go, I got to have this guy. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, you know, it's, you know, you don't get a second opportunity all the time. So, you know, your life leads up to these, at least for me in my musical career, it's led up to certain moments to where you're, you're either going to fly or you're going to fall down. You know what I mean? Sink or swim. So, you know, exactly. I should have said that. Um, (laughs) That's all good. um, um, But, you know, you don't really get second chances to me. So, I better, I better have done my homework. You know, everything you've done in your life leads up to those moments. So, you know, make it happen or you don't. So I, I noticed those moments. It's not, you know, when I first got a break with Ted Nugent, I knew that was my, my kind of first way to get out of, you know, whatever was going on before I go, Oh, this is it. Get ready. You know? Yeah. But that took, that took 10, 12 years of hard work to get there. And then it took more work to get in the next thing and the more work to, you know, and yeah, each yeah. thing leads it. It's just like anything else. And again, if young musicians are, you know, I get asked all the time, oh, Joey wants to be a drummer, do blah, 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 blah. But then when you start telling them these kind of things, they kind of start walking away like you don't know what you're talking about. Well, because you're talking about hard work and you're talking about perseverance. They kind of yeah. want to hear that. Well, you got to network and go hang out and do this. And I kinda, and you're like, going to be an overnight sensation, I guess. Or whatever. Or he's doing so great. But it, yeah, you mean you mean it takes years. You know, it's it, it's a, and even if you get a, a little bit of success, it's still it's it gets becomes more difficult. You know, well, and because I also think people don't understand the the amount of hard work you got to put in because people automatically think they pick up a drum set they're going to be rock stars tomorrow yeah yeah and and that's the other thing what you just said rock star i'm not a rock star nor did i ever set out to be one 
You know, well, you're, I a, just, you're a musician. I'm a musician, but I'm just, I, but I'm not a famous one. And I never tried to be famous. You know, Ozzy's famous. I just play for famous people is the yeah. goal. You know, there's all, you know, um, and, and it's two different things. I never got in it into it to be a rock star. I just wanted to play drums and be the best that I can be. Now, that being said, it's become my career and I support my family through that. And that's an amazing thing to get, just to be blessed to enjoy what you get to do to support your family. Not everybody True. is allowed that. Most True. people got to go to work. They got to drive an hour. They hate their job. They, they don't get out to live out their dreams. You know, they got to, you know, whatever, you know, and, and I can't lose sight of that. Yeah. I just reminded yeah. myself that, by the way. <laughs> um, so my friend, so I took like kind of a fan question. Uh, this is from Julian Murgard from Texas. He wants to know, he says, such huge shoes to fill with Sabbath and Ozzy. How do you view the interpretation of that material versus playing it as the original drummers did? Do you feel the songs have a right and wrong way to be played? Everything has a right and wrong way to be played. So I just use my musical ears and my musical heart to guide me and tell yeah. me what, you know, I, I never play anything even on my own record that I feel is playing out of trying to be a hot shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So if that comes into play, I, I mean, I just don't go there. I don't need uh, to go there. And I think if you're that kind of guy, real guys, they notice that. So I think the Sabbath guys respected me in my approach to their music. And I think I respected Bill Ward's parts. And, but at the same time, when I go on stage, people feel my energy and they feel my passion and there's my there's my stamp on it if you will without changing yeah. anything okay yeah i think that it was kind of one of those things you always wonder when you get into another band it's like do they give you any not so much creative freedom but like kind of like um uh, you know hey we get you have to play this song this way but maybe you can add you know your flair to it put it this way when when you're dealing with good people there's much less talk about it true okay so it's let it's left up to me to to not have have them to have to say anything okay so if they don't say anything i'm probably doing what they want to hear yeah, you know what yeah. i mean yeah so that's that's the goal you know yeah definitely it either feels right or it doesn't feel right. When it doesn't feel right, then they start, well, you know, what, what are you doing on your heart? What are you doing here? And it becomes an issue, you know? Yeah, so if nobody's yeah. saying anything and you see smiles and you've got through two tours with somebody, then it's probably, you're probably doing what you want. Definitely. But that, but that comes from years and years of doing it. And you have to be selfless with yourself. I see you know, there's so much YouTube and Instagram musicians out there. Ugh. And what's their focus? What's their focus making a video for the day? And how yeah. do they feel that they're going to get attention? Um, they're going to play a lot of notes and play a solo or do this or whatever. You know, think Tony Iommi wrote Iron Man. Think of technically how simple is that song? It's, it's a monumental riff, but, but 
and then compared to what these other guys are doing. So who wins? See what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I definitely do. I definitely do. Um, so when, when we're allowed to go back to concerts, right, and, and we can have shows with full capacities, what are the chances of Tommy's rock trip going on tour? Hey, like you said, there's a song on my album called You Got the Cash and I Got the Flash. That's to <laughs> sum it up. Right, so, right. I mean, if there's, if there's an opportunity and somebody has electricity, I'll come in, plug in and play. Nice, nice. Hey, how did you, how did you feel about singing on the record? Like, how, how was that for you? I never set out to sing on the album. It, it just kind of happened by happenstance. And... I initially did what's called scratch vocals on the album. Okay. So Eric Dover could kind of learn the melodies and the lyrics and stuff. And those, those songs that you hear me singing, which maybe is more of a squawking, um, were just initially scratch vocals that I kind of go, you know what? It doesn't sound that bad and it's not making me want to puke. So let's just, let's just leave it. And, and those song, a couple of those songs were kind of personal. One was, one was called "Make Me Smile," which was about my beautiful wife, because okay. um, I'm not good. I'm not good at writing love poems or Valentine's Day cards, so I wrote her a rock and roll, bluesy rock song. So I had yeah. to sing that. I had to sing that one, okay. and then the last song on there is called "The Power of Three, which is about my is for my daughter. Um, so I had to sing that. A daddy had to sing her her song. So that's kind of why that ended up happening. Okay. And I almost didn't care if my voice sounded bad. I had to sing those songs because it was my my musical gift to the two most important people in my life. Well, believe me, you did an awesome job. Hey, thanks so much. Yeah, but I'm no definitely problem. not a singer. Put it that way. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know, no. it's okay. Um, oh, you're supposed to say, of course you are. It sounded Well, great. you are. No, no, no. I know. No. I know, right? Uh, what is your proudest moment, you would say? as a musician? I, I don't, I, I can never answer these questions because I've always worked hard and I've always given it my all. So each step of the way, when I first played in my dad's band and set up my drums and there was one stage light shining on my cymbals, I felt proud. You know, mm -hmm. when I finished the last song, I felt proud. When I played, you know, when I was playing corner bars, I was proud because I was doing a good job. Then yeah. when I got my next band, I was doing a good job. Then somebody else hired me and I was proud. And I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of what I, I've done, but I don't live in the past because everything ends and there's always something new to go to, you know, and, yeah. and you can always get better. And, and I always keep pushing and, you know, but I'm very proud of everything as a whole, you know. Yeah. And music has taught me so much about life and and how to be and how to persevere and and keep pushing and and if you're a good person and work hard it usually works out in the end as cheesy as that sounds if you dedicate yourself to something you'll learn these invaluable lessons that some people have to read books about yeah yeah true very true um all right so last question okay Gene Simmons has said plenty of times that he feels that rock is dead. Do you agree with what he's saying? What are your thoughts about it? Rock and roll will never die. It's, it's, it's a true American art form. So, 
And I don't think he means it's literally dead that it doesn't exist. I think he means as a business model, yeah. it's kind of, it ain't happening right now because people don't buy the product. And, and I, I would, I won't say rock is dead, but I would, if he, if that was his take on it, I would tend to agree with him because in the seventies, when rock was King, people bought albums, they supported the concerts, they went, yeah. now there's no album sales. So, so if there's not a financial reward at the end of the tunnel, why would band put years and years and years of work to, to do anything? You know, you used to have, you used to have four or five album deals. You know, I don't know too much about this stuff, but you hear you had, you had years with that, with a record label, they, they put time and effort into it. Now it's like they give you two months and, and if you don't have something, then, it yeah. moves on. Think of all the great bands. You know, Fleetwood Mac was around a long time before oh. rumors hit. You know, yeah, I know. And then, and then the big payout is there. You know. Yeah. Yep. No, I agree. So Lindsey Buckingham. I think that's what he means. Is the infrastructure is has been totally demolished, unless you're already an existing successful band. True. And that's True. what he's talking about. I believe a young band. There's not much too much financial goal at the end of the rainbow and music yeah. it's a wonderful thing and we all love it but once you get past 18 and you don't want to live in your parents basement you got to start thinking about paying the bills yeah that's true that's and you true. can't dedicate your whole life to music unless you make money at it yeah you know? no, i agree and that's and the thing I think and people lose people lose sight of that like a guy like me i'm a, I'm a working musician I yeah. need to work to make money. It's not like, oh, you play for Black Sabbath and you're in Black Sabbath. It doesn't work that way, you know? Yeah. yeah. I didn't write Paranoid. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, yeah, because, you know, and the thing too is like like you were saying, the business models, because the the internet and, and these downloading sites are kind of what killed the music industry in, in that aspect, the business aspect. Not kind of it. It's what's done it. You know, there's yeah. no physical product, even, even, you know, even a, an online thing, they just, you know, it's literally, I'm sure my album is right on YouTube. You could, you don't have to buy it, you know? Yeah. Which is unfortunate because so, I love holding, you know, an album in my yeah, hands. Yeah. 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 I, I hope it'll come back a little. There's a little bit of this vinyl insurgence but yeah, you know, for the yeah, most yeah. part, a, four, a 14 year old kid's just going to go on their phone and like, you know, listen to one track and that's it. So we shall see. But it ain't ever going to go away. The one good thing is the live thing. You can't manufacture that. So that people will true. always go see concerts. And I think when things open up that they're really going to come out in droves because it's been taken away from them and people need that in their lives. So I can't wait to get back out there. I can't wait to play music and rock people's faces off. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. I really yeah, appreciate definitely. it. And, and hopefully we'll be around your town and we'll get to say hello. Heck yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Eddie. I'm all my best to you. All right. Thank you once again to Tom Lecoufetos for such an amazing, amazing interview. It was a lot of fun. He's a great guy. Make sure you check out, check out Tommy's Rock Trip. Please do so. The album is absolutely amazing and it's called beat up by rock and roll check it out all right everybody it is time for everybody's favorite favorite segment of the show that's right it is time for rock and metal news 
So hit the music. It's time for Rock and Metal News. Presented by Eddie Monster. That's right. At the beginning of the show, we touched upon a couple things that we wanted to talk about. uh, Specifically on the show. And that had to do with Marilyn Manson. And it had to do with Ramstein. Right? Uh, because there were a couple stories we talked about last week, and I didn't get a chance to have any rebuttal stories or you know responses from any of the artists or the accused. Uh, and we're gonna start off with Ramstein here because obviously we all know the Russian guy Andrei Bor- Borovikov, if I'm saying that right, uh, was arrested. After sharing the pornographic version of Ramstein's pussy music video on the Russian equivalent of Facebook, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce. It's like V. Whatever it may be. But uh, he faces three years in prison for the charges, which are just absurd, right? And Richard has a guaranteed basic right of all people. And like I said, Russians are getting a little ridiculous because if you think that's porn, yeah, they have not seen anything yet. And some of the stuff coming out of Russia is probably worse than that. So, you know, I don't see Russian porn stars getting uh, arrested. Um, but anyway, so, you know, um, it is what it is. But the full thing is he goes... I am aware of the Andrei Burvikov case. According to media reports, a lawsuit was filed against him for sharing the Ramstein video pussy on Russian social networks. I very much regret that Andrei Burvikov has been sentenced to imprisonment for this. The harshness of this sentence is shocking. And that's when he ends it with Ramstein have always stood up for the freedom of art, which I already read to you guys. So there you go. Um, In other news... The Marilyn Manson saga just keeps getting stranger and stranger by the moment. More people are coming out. He's claiming that the allegations are false. Uh, his his attorney, Howard E. King, was talking about uh, Esma Bianca, Bianco, excuse me, her claims, and this is what he says. These claims are false. To be clear, this suit was only filed after my client refused to be shaken down by Miss Bianco. And her lawyer, and given to their outrageous financial demands based on conduct that simply never occurred. We will vigorously contest these allegations in court and are confident that we will prevail. Um, to refresh your memory, this is what Bianco claims Mr. Warner used drugs, force, and threats of force to coerce sexual acts from Miss Bianco on multiple occasions. Mr. Warner raped Miss Bianco in and around. May 2011. There you go. There's that. Um, Like I said, then it gets a little weirder. Because now there's another claim that Manson's wife is trying to, like, blackmail Evan Rachel Wood. If that kind of makes any sense at the moment, right? And there's claims that 
you know, they're doing things to make the other victims look like they're lying, this and this and that. There's a whole just like mind fuck going on here with this case. But I'm definitely going to keep my eyes peeled on it because we all want to know, all right, what really happened? What is going to happen? You know, as far as this case is concerned. And another story, I've always been passionate about this. This is just the latest version of this is like the PMRC 2.0. Now, people have always tried to claim that heavy metal in rock is satanic. I mean, they've been doing it since the crap. They've been doing it since the 1920s. Every generation's music is considered satanic, right? Elvis was considered a saint, you know, Satan music at one time. And that's just absolutely, it's absurd. But there's a radio station that is pretty legendary, and it belongs to Seton Hall. And it's WSOU 89.5, WSOU-FM, Seton Hall's Pirate Radio, broadcast from Seton Hall. Uh, but apparently there's a, there's a Catholic group that is claiming that they are a satanic radio station, and they want them to either change their format or they have to call it a day. Richard Smaglick, what a fitting name for a douchebag. Richard Dick Smaglick, that's what I'm going to call him from now on, Dick Smaglick, founder of the group Shutdown WSOU, had this to say to News 12. This is a Catholic university. Catholic Universities of America have lost track of their mission to an extreme. It's so bad that this Catholic University is airing Satanism to what they call a target audience of 12-year-olds in the largest media market in North America, and that needs to end. I didn't realize where Seton Hall is. is the largest radio market in the world. I mean, is he right? I always figured it was New York, but yeah, we can include New Jersey because New Jersey's basically New York anyways. Uh, so yeah, he's kind of right. He's kind of right. Um, but it's just ridiculous, man. You know, it, it's 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 just the latest thing. And if I was Seton Hall, do not buckle. I know how college radio stations are because I've done it. And I've been in two different ones. And the situations were just absolutely fucking absurd as well. I love Massasoit Community College for what it was in Brockton, Mass. I love that it was an opportunity for for an idiot like me to attempt to get an education, which I did. But I remember the first time I went to school there, man, they were such sticklers for certain things. And they would try to shut us down at every chance they got. You know, if we played, you know, certain, you know, music, whatever. And it just got, you know, it just got a little ridiculous after a while. And I couldn't wait to leave there. I get to Bridgewater. It's complete fucking freedom. Right? Such a breath of fresh air. And the worst part about Massasoit was they weren't even on the fucking radio. Okay, it was it was 
they were when I first went there, they were airing on public access television. So yeah, go figure. Uh, but here's what Seton Hall had to say. They said WSOU's advisory board comp- comprised of WSOU students and alumni along with Seton Hall University clergy and administrators meets regularly to review the station's content and operating policies and standards. The goal is to ensure that WSOU continues to realize its mission goals and long-held operating procedures, further incorporating and in in, uh, integrating Catholic mission and ministry into into WSOU's wide-ranging and popular programming is always a popularity. Let me tell you, they're lucky I don't go to school there. I would play some of the most evil shit on the planet right on that station just because I hate being told what to do because of religious fanatics. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's why I play certain acts on here because why not? But uh, show your support for WSOU. Send Seton Hall messages. Tell them do not shut down that station. Do not shut down that station. Do not shut down that station. That should be the message. Oh, in other news, ex-Cannibal Corpse guitarist Pat O'Brien has been sentenced for assault and burglary. And this was an incident that occurred in December of 2018 when he was arrested for burglary and assaulting a police officer. O'Brien apparently broke into his neighbor's house. He threw a woman in the residence to the ground and escaped through their backyard where he hid behind a fence. When the cops tried to surround him, he tried to charge at them, apparently with a knife, uh, but they easily got him with a stun gun. Do the crime, you just got to do the time. That's what I always say. But basically, the only sentence he got was time served, and he has five years probation. Uh, George Corpse Grinder Fisher also said that the ban is completely 100% behind him in uh, trying to help O'Brien deal with his struggles. He told the Jasta show, We love him, we want him back, but when I saw him in the court with the vest, dude, I cried because we just got home from tour. We wish the best for him, and we're just waiting to see what happens. He's got a road ahead of him still with legal issues, and that's out of our hands. We support him 100%. We're behind him 100%. There you go. You know, it's it's crazy when you read you know some of these kind of stories of you know musicians just going absolutely insane and doing the craziest shit. It's nuts. On a more sadder note, it is with a very very sad heart that we report the death of Tani Katan. She will forever be remembered for her beauty. And she was iconic, you know. You can't think of the 80s without thinking of Tani Katan. She was the original girlfriend of, of Robin Crosby of Rat. She was married to David Coverdale of Whitesnake. Appeared in some of the most iconic music videos of the 1980s, which was Here I Go Again, Is This Love? I mean, I said it on an episode early in the year when she was complaining about David Coverdale 
in the games he was playing that if it wasn't for Tani Katayan, I would have never paid attention to White Snake. I don't think she was absolutely freaking gorgeous. Bachelor Party is an amazing movie. Witchboard is an amazing movie. She did some did some awesome things. She had some struggles in her life, but who doesn't struggle? We're so quick to judge people that that struggle instead of trying to help them. But uh, we just wanted to send our condolences to the friends, family of Tani Katan. I tried to get her on the show. I wanted to. I wanted to interview her for the, for the podcast, not going to lie. Just because, you know, to be able to talk about Robin Crosby or even whatever, the early days of Rat would have been pretty fucking cool. Uh, but yeah, R.I.P. Rest in power, Tony Katan. Um, yeah. Apparently, in other news, Hulu is developing a television series that's based on the tumultuous relationship of Tommy Lee of Motley Crue and actress Pamela Anderson, um, and obviously the infamous leaked porno tape that we all know. Very, very well. And by the way, Seth Rogen is playing the guy that stole the tape. Anyways, uh, the show stars Nick Offerman. uh, Well, also features, I should say. Nick Offerman, Taylor Schilling, Andrew Dice Clay, Pepe Sanuga, Spencer Grinese, and Mozahan Marno. Uh, Tommy Lee is being played by Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. Sebastian Stan. And Pamela Anderson is being played by Lily James. I can't give you... Any roles that she's played in because I don't remember. Uh, But they've released some photos online so you can check that out. And Hulu is yet to announce a release date for this television series. But I'm probably going to be a sucker and I'm probably going to be watching it because I'm not going to lie. Sebastian Stan actually looks pretty fucking convincing as Tommy Lee. I thought... um, I really thought Machine Gun Kelly did a great job, but... This is pretty fucking sick. And Sebastian stands older, so it makes a lot more sense um, on that end. Anyways, so yeah, there you go if you're uh, into that. I, w- I just, you know, on a little bit of a tangent, I just watched the whole entire series of Paradise City, which is an uh, which is on uh, Apple, excuse me, Amazon Prime. Um, and that was a decent show. I just took production classes, so I'm a stickler for certain things. And it kind of ruined my life taking that class because now I look at films and I look at television series and I'm trying to dissect what they're doing wrong. Uh, one of my biggest things is is all about the acting. You know what I mean? You got to make it convincing. I mean, hey, listen, Cameron Boyce... Did a great job. R.I.P. Cameron Boyce. Did an awesome job. But there were parts where it's supposed to be a live performance. And it looks like he's not even singing into the microphone when he's supposed to. It's little things like that that kind of bother me. You know what I mean? It's the little things. And even Andy Beerzak. I love Andy. But there's points where it just it looks like he's supposed to be more aggressive. And it doesn't look like it. But other than that, the series was great. Check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. It's called Paradise City. It's uh, the continuation 
from American Satan, which was a film with stardom. And it's the aftermath of everything. I don't know where they're going to go with this series now that Cameron Boyce passed away. That will be interesting because the way the series ended, we'll see. We'll see. The Aftershock Festival recently announced their lineup. That's right. Thursday, October 7th, all the way through Sunday, October 10th. And it's pretty badass. You got Limp Biscuit, Anthrax, Testament, Exodus, Fit for a King, all in one night. That's Thursday. You got Metallica, Rancid, Seether, Volbeat, Skillet, Suicidal Tendencies on Friday. I mean, along with a whole list of other bands. Damn. Some of these are great. Um, Saturday, the original Misfits are replacing My Chemical Romance for that performance. And they're performing with The Offspring, Gojira, Mudvayne. I mean, Body Count, Asking Alexandria, Treyu. Fucking holy shit, Alien Weaponry's on there on that day. And then Sunday, Metallica performs once again, but this time with Social Distortion, Rise Against Mastodon, Black Veil Brides in this moment, Steel Panther, fucking Mammoth WVH. Uh, It looks like an awesome, awesome fucking festival. Make sure you check that out. Sacramento, California, are you ready? October 7th through the 10th, the Aftershock Festival at Discovery Park. God, I should be promoting these people. I don't know. They don't pay me enough. I'm telling you, I don't get paid enough. Actually, I don't get paid at all. For any of you that were hoping that you could take the stage set of Ramstein and build it with Legos, forget about it. It ain't happening. That's all I had to say about that. Is anybody in the world in a rush to see the Osbournes return to television. I mean, listen, as much as I love Ozzy Osbourne, as much as I love Ozzy and Sharon and the kids, I am not in a huge rush, but apparently offers have been thrown out there and Sharon is listening. Of course she is. Why wouldn't she be? She's a businesswoman. That's what she does. And now she has a lot of time on her hands. So there you go. In some recording news, the band Mayhem is back with a new EP that features covers of of Discharge, Dead Kennedys, Rudimentary Penny, and the Ramones. That's right, even though, remember, there's no the in front of the Ramones. But anyways, this is what vocalist Attila had to say. And this is the cool Attila, not the shitty version of Attila that you get in South Florida. Anyways... I've always had some punk influences. I guess it comes from my childhood when we were constantly looking for more extreme music. That's how I discovered the Dead Kennedys, GBH, The Exploited, Sex Pistols, UK Subs, Discharge, Rudimentary Penny, and so on. In the early 80s, alongside heavy metal. But then I discovered Venom, and that was the game changer. So there you go. Um... Necro Butcher had this to add. He goes, we got some extra time in the studio recording the Damon album two years ago. All band members were asked to punch in two cover tracks for some extra material. I chose songs by Death Strike and Death, which were both used as the bonus tracks on the album. My other contribution was to bring in two old members because of their obvious connection with punk. Maniac on the Dead Kennedys track and Billy, a.k.a. Messiah, on the Discharge track and some of the others. There you go. So it's seven tracks and pre-orders are going as we speak. So be sure 
to be on the lookout for that. All right, everybody. That is going to do it for Rock and Metal News this week. It has been a blast doing this. But we do have one track to play for you guys this week. We do. But before we do that, let's check out this public service announcement. I knew virtually nothing about Alzheimer's or any sort of brain issues until one day my wife started to do things that were atypical. Sudden outbursts, uh, becoming repetitive and asking questions. You have this tapestry just creating who you are based on 100 billion nerve cells and hundreds of trillions of connections Mm -hmm. making a network. And this disease comes in and every day relentlessly, insidiously just tears that tapestry apart. If you've got a heart and if you care about people, you don't want to see anybody go through this. And that's why I'm more optimistic than ever that we're on our way to eradicating this disease with early prediction, early detection, early intervention. Find out more at curealz.org. All right, once again, thank you to the Cure Alzheimer's Fund for all the amazing, amazing work they do all the time. These guys work very, very hard, and I support them 110%. All right, so it is time to end the show. We got to end this shindig, right? Hopefully, you guys all enjoyed it. Hopefully, you check out Tommy's Rock Trip. Do it. But right now, we're going to end the show with a track from a Australian hard rock band. That's right. We are talking about Shotgun Mistress, and they've got a new track called Bleed Me Out. If you want to know more information, visit them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Shotgun Mistress. Go and do it right now. I will see you guys all next time. I'm telling you, we are working on big, big things here on Pedal to the Metal Radio, the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the music. Your only chance is a long shot, honey. There ain't no easy way out. It's been a while, been a long time coming. Never been a reason to doubt that a man can change his addictive ways. Trying out the devil bleeding into your head. Creeps still sliding under your skin. They get the great trick before you begin. Down, down, bring me down.
your face can only tell me that you're wasted You're fucking wasted